The great outdoors, the deep woods, the wilderness, if you will, seemingly has endless nightmares waiting for you just beyond every tree. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true scary stories from the deep wilderness that'll freak you out tonight. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's from the woods or somewhere else, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or at r slash thedarkswamp on Reddit. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true deep wilderness horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. New year, new me. That's what they say, right? You've got New Year's goals and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store and take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep, and you can skip the trip to your local grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. For two years now, I've been using this service, and I absolutely love it. The meal portions are always perfect. Everything is always fresh, and I've never had one meal that I thought was bad. With HelloFresh, eating well in the new year can be stress-free and delicious. With over 35 weekly recipes, they have the options you're looking for to help you achieve your goals. Choose calorie-smart and carb-smart recipes, or even customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading your proteins, or adding protein to a veggie dish. We all want to save money this time of year, but did you know that HelloFresh helps you save money all year round? In fact, HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. So, what are you waiting for? Join me and many others in the swamp today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped21 and use code Swamped21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped21 and use code Swamped21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. My Camping Trip by D. Parnit. This is a true story. As I was present for these events, had this not happened, I would have had difficulty believing this story myself. To this day I can only tell this story or go to this day, I can only tell this story or go into deep thought about the events of that day if I become somewhat shaken. It was the fall of 1984 in the upstate of New York, in a small town called Scotchtown, a relatively rural part of the state. The cool weather hadn't yet set in, and it was still warm enough that my two friends Brian and Mike wanted to go camping. We were all 16 years old, and I had never been camping at that point. I was excited about the trip. That week after school, we went to the Army and Navy store and bought a surplus Army tent, some pots and pans. Brian purchased a lantern, and both had bought old military K-Bar knives. We set out for our overnight camping trip that Friday after school. We had each told our parents we were staying at each other's house to avoid any problems the journey may cause with our parents. Friday after school, we all rode the bus to Mike's house, where we had all stashed all our camping gear for the trip. We gathered all the equipment and walked down the road farther into the county's rural parts. We had made this trek many times during the day, explored the wooded areas fairly extensively during the daylight, and we knew where we were headed. We walked about an hour into the countryside before cutting down a dirt road that led to a trail we had been on many times during our daytime explorations. However, we had never been out in these woods at night. We reached the trail opening at around 5pm and ventured into the forest. 
An old stone wall marks this trail. These walls are ubiquitous in the area and were used as property dividers when the area was first settled sometime in the early 1700s. The trail followed right alongside the wall for many miles and we could never find where the two separated. As we were walking into the woods, the wall was now on our left. The area we traveled to was a combination of dense patches of trees and vegetation and many more open regions with scattered trees. In these more open areas, we often came across stone foundations of homes that used to stand there and occasional headstones where early settlers had buried loved ones on their property. We walked for about an hour, and because the canopy of trees was very thick, it was starting to get dark. Still, light out but dimming, so we thought it was best to stop before dark. We came upon a clearing to our right with a relatively large tree, and we could camp directly under it. To give an accurate idea of what our campsite looked like, Standing in our campsite, if you looked forward toward the trail, it would be the trail, then the stone wall. On the other side of the wall, directly opposite our camp, was a giant oak tree about four feet in diameter, standing alone and a few scattered trees behind it, but it was a relatively open area. The oak tree was less than 20 feet from our campsite, and I had a clear line of sight of the tree and the field behind it. As it was dark, Mike and Brian wanted to grab some wood for a campfire and asked me to begin setting up the tent. They wandered out of sight to my left. I was facing the trail, and I could hear them rummaging for firewood. I proceeded to dump the contents of the canvas tent onto the ground, bent over, and started gathering the tent poles, and my following action changed my life forever. I glanced at the oak tree on the other side of the wall. What I saw still haunts me today. A solid black figure peering at me from behind the oak tree on the other side of the stone wall. I could best describe it as a shadow, solid black, and non-translucent. I could see its upper body as it leaned out from behind the tree, and the shadowed out hand on the front of it as if it were pulling itself out from behind. I was frozen with fear. That was the only time I have ever been frozen by anxiety. I stared at this thing for an eternity, however it couldn't have been more than 5 to 10 seconds. I didn't see this out of the corner of my eye, I was staring directly at it. Just then it slid back behind the tree, and instantly I heard Mike and Brian coming back toward me. I jumped up and yelled. Guys, guys, get over here. They came running and asked me what the matter was. I thought for a second and was embarrassed to tell them what I had seen. I said, there's someone behind that tree. I just saw someone behind that tree for sure. They both looked at me with a bit of a puzzled look and Brian replied, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of nowhere. I emphatically told them I had seen someone looking at me from behind the tree. We had been friends for many years and they knew I was not going to scare very easy. Mike said, All right, we charge the tree, Dave. You go right, and we'll go left. They pulled their knives out of their sheath they had on their belts, and I grabbed my pair of nunchucks. I was very much into the martial arts at the time, and had become very proficient with them as a weapon. We all three charged towards the trail, jumped the wall, and ran around the oak tree, but there was nothing. Nothing at all was there. There was no way anyone could have gotten away from there without us seeing them or hearing them. The tree stood alone. The ground was covered with leaves, and still, there was no sign that anything had ever been there. They laughed and joked, blaming this on my first camping trip jitters and how I was just a bit shaken. I knew what I had seen though, and I had never been so scared in my whole life, but the night was just getting started, and all I wanted to do was go home. Night fell, and as they went about their camping rituals, starting the fire, getting out of, getting out a pack of ground beef, and getting a pack of ground beef out that we had swiped from Mike's freezer to cook over the fire, 
I sat on a log quietly, terrified, still trying to process what I had seen earlier. We were there about three hours when we first heard something in the woods. Something was walking around our campsite just beyond the light of the campfire, maybe 20 to 25 feet in the darkness behind where Mike and Brian were sitting. I was the first to ask, Um, guys, what is that? Brian answered, Probably just a deer. I replied, It definitely doesn't sound like a deer. It sounds like a person. It didn't sound like an animal. It honestly sounded like a human being was walking in the woods, and they weren't even trying to be quiet about it. They both insisted it was probably just an animal attracted to the smell of the food. I knew in my heart it wasn't an animal, still keeping the secret of what I had actually seen earlier. As the night wore on and the animal continued to walk back and forth behind our campsite, I could see it was beginning to bother Brian and Mike. Brian stood up with his lantern, took a short run towards the rustling and yelled, in an apparent attempt to scare off whatever was harassing us, he sat back down, and within a few months, and within a few minutes, the sound of the crunching leaves and snapping twigs resumed. The harassment continued for another 30 minutes at the very least, and Mike and Brian were now eerily quiet and visibly shaken. Back and forth, they walked beyond our view, crunching and snapping, crunching and snapping of the leaves and everything else in between. It was about 10 minutes later, and all of us were sitting quietly, trying to act as if nothing was wrong. When Brian suddenly jumped up, he grabbed a piece of the wood he had collected. It was about 14 inches long and thicker than the average man's forearm. He threw the wood directly at the noise in the dark. We heard it hit the ground. Brian sat back down again and confidently said, That'll scare it away. For a few short minutes, it was quiet. Then, just before we heard the walking in the leaves start up again, this time, it sounded like it only took a few steps and then stopped. We all sat there quietly, not knowing what to say, what to do, when all of a sudden we heard a whoosh of something cut through the air. The piece of wood Brian had thrown earlier came sailing over my head and hit the tree. I was sitting under this tree, and this was a strong blow because I felt the entire tree shake from the impact. It fell about 10 feet from me, so it must have bounced off a good way. I looked at Mike and Brian, who were white as ghost, and asked, Do deer throw logs? We all sat there for no more than a minute, and the noise began to start back up. Brian finally spoke up and said, We can stay here all night, and I will get a wink of sleep, or... Mike jumped in, Let's get the fuck out of here. They jumped up, and Mike asked me to kick dirt on the fire as Brian lit his lantern. Mike and Brian then proceeded to break down the tent, which amounted to them ripping it down and rolling it into a ball. They quickly stuffed the poles and canvas into the bags, and I finished putting out the fire. We paid no mind to whether the noise continued. We were focused solely on getting out of there. We stood all packed up and not looking forward to the long hike out in total darkness. Brian decided he should take the lead because he had the lantern. Mike would be second in line and I would have to bring up the rear. Mike and Brian drew their knives and Mike looked at me and said, Dave, anything comes out of the dark? You crack it with those chucks. I slowly nodded and we began to walk out. The wall was now on our right as we began to make our way through the darkness. The lantern really did not provide much light at all, and Mike and I were almost in complete darkness, just following the light in front of us. At first, there was a foot or two between us, and we had been walking for about 15 minutes when I thought I heard something. The trail was worn and had only a few leaves. I had heard what sounded like walking on leaves on the other side of the stone wall in the darkness. I grabbed Mike's belt and grabbed Brian. All three of us stopped and we all huddled together. They asked what was wrong and I whispered, I think I hear it right there. 
and looked to my right, indicating the darkness on the other side of the wall. We stood motionless, all of us listening and noticing, all of us listening intently and noticing nothing. Mike said, Listen, we're all freaked out. Let's get out of here. Brian and I nodded, and we began walking out. Again, we walked another ten minutes, and I heard it again. This time, I didn't stop. I leaned forward and whispered into Mike's ear, Listen. We slowed our pace for just a few seconds when Mike said, Something was walking parallel to us on the other side of the wall. It was unmistakable. Walking in the leaves and only about five feet from us in the darkness. Walking in the leaves and only about five feet from us in the darkness. It was right there. It was almost like it could jump over at any minute and grab us. Mike grabbed Brian and we all huddled again. We both told him, It's right there. And looked into the darkness over the wall. We stood still for a moment. And then all three of us heard something moving amongst the leaves. It was almost difficult to hear because my heart was pounding so hard. I thought it might explode out of my chest at any waking moment. I was experiencing pure terror for the first time in my life. Brian took his lantern and extended his arm over the wall, his knife in his other hand, at the ready. We could now see about ten feet on the other side of the border. All three of us stood there for a few seconds looking and we could see absolutely nothing. Then we heard it again, the leaves moving on the ground. The sound was right there, but there was nothing we could see. Brian said, let's get out of here. And we all, s Brian started yelling that we should get out of here. And we still had about 40 minutes of walking ahead of us. We started walking again. The noise immediately started again. It kept pace with us and it was apparent it wanted us to know it was there. Brian stopped and suddenly said, let's run as fast as we can for at least 30 seconds and stop and see what happens. We agreed and off we went running as fast as our teenage legs would carry us. We stopped, out of breath, listened, and we heard it. Stomping in the leaves in the darkness on the other side of the wall, it was chasing us. We huddled together, ignoring the noise it was making more than a few feet from us in the dark. It sounded almost like pacing. Mike spoke first, asking, What are we going to do? Just then a sinking thought came to my mind and I spoke up. No one knows we're out here. We lied to everyone, they'll never find us. They both stared at me with blank expressions as the realization of how screwed we were sunk in. Brian said, Listen, in 10 seconds, I'm gonna run out of here as fast as I can. Suppose you can keep up? Great. If not, I hope I see you tomorrow. With that, Brian was gone and the only visible thing was the bouncing lantern moving through the forest. Mike and I followed the best we could. Mike was carrying the tent bag and it was spilling its contents on the trail as we tried to keep up with Brian. We'd been stuck in the woods with no light source if we'd lost him. I tripped over the tent poles and the canvas tent but never lost footing. We ran the entire way out, and when we reached the road we all began throwing up. We snuck back into Mike's basement, and that's where we slept. Those two returned the next day to collect everything we dropped on the trail and I declined to go with them. They went back the following weekend, getting prepared with trip wires, flashlights, and machetes to prove something I never did. Even though I grew up hiking around those woods, since then I have not spent a night in the woods and have no plans to ever venture into a forest again. I never told them what I saw, but I know what I saw, and nothing will change that fact. The Abandoned Hut by JTFFF Four years ago, I was a sophomore in high school. I had not yet gotten my license, which is right around the time I started to partake in certain substances and one of my friends in the neighborhood, we'll call him Kurt, knew of a creek about a mile and a half from my house, which would be an excellent smoke spot, but it was a bit of a hike to get there. It was well known that there were a few scattered structures in the woods here, 
such as a dozen or so concrete huts and old barrel fire pits and platform built in the two trees at some point, I'm not really sure what that's about, all within a dozen feet of each other. This is about a quarter mile into the woods and about a half mile from any road. We had been there dozens of times during the daytime, usually with more friends though. We lived in a rather nice suburban neighborhood, so it didn't seem too dangerous to us, not to mention nobody else had ever been spotted there before. It had become a pretty standard smoke spot for kids our age. We all just assumed it was an old abandoned homeless structure, but there were still legends passed around by other high schoolers claiming something sinister lurked there. Hooks for hands, serial murderers, inbred cannibals, typical campfire stories, that type of thing. The concrete hut was about seven foot by seven foot by five foot, and the ground had been dug out inside, making the roof even taller. We had found improvised weapons, food cans, trash, etc. when we first discovered it two years prior. But since then, nothing of that nature really popped up, just beer cans, roaches, and cigarette butts scattered around in the fire pit from neighborhood kids. The inside had scribbled stuff on it with Sharpie, it was covered with a tarp, and the whole thing smelled like pee, so none of us really went inside. As I mentioned, a lookout platform was built into a tree about 50 feet away. An improvised ladder of branches leads to the 5 foot by 5 foot platform about 20 feet off the ground. The wood was water damaged, so it was very hard to get up there. Back on track this particular October evening, Kurt and I left at about 6pm hoping to get there before dark. We had several other smoke spots that were close to my house, but nothing quite matched the excitement and the charisma of the hut. We make our way through the neighborhood, through some backyards into a field, and finally pass through the tree line. Stones laid out across the creek allowed us to cross without getting wet. Right around the time we got there, the sun was almost entirely set and there was not much light coming through the trees. This was the first time either of us had been there at night. We hiked up the last 500 feet uphill, barely seeing the hut through the darkness. The atmosphere had us both uneasy and we talked with the quietest whisper possible. We didn't want to approach the structure, so we decided to smoke about 50 feet from the hut right on the edge of the bluff we had just climbed. I shifted a few feet over to get some more even footing before we started, and I felt my foot snag on a fishing line running about a foot off the ground tied to the tree next to me. A loud clang was made as the line yanked an empty metal bucket into metal scrap planted into the ground. It was a makeshift alarm. We hear someone moving down from the platform in the tree, about 20 feet away from us, and drop into the leaves below. We take off down the bluff, sliding on our asses and hitting trees. We still hear scurrying and grunting behind us. We get to the bottom and sprint through the creek. I trip on the loose rocks below me and fall into the cold water before bolting up and continuing to run. About a second later, we hear splashes behind us. At this point, we clear the tree line and are in a quarter of a mile of an open field. We sprint as fast as we can. Kurt and I are hurt and out of breath, and the person is catching up. We can hear them behind us breathing heavily and their loud footsteps growing closer and closer. We sprint through someone's backyard and listen to their dogs barking. We finally run into the middle of the street and a car slams on its brakes. Kurt and I screech to a halt to avoid the vehicle. We turn around to see somebody standing just outside of the floodlights of a nearby house before they turn around and run back toward the forest. We apologize to the driver, ditched the weed, and I called my sister to pick us up. We explained what happened, begged her not to tell my parents, and we have never returned to that creek again. Chased Through the Woods by Anonymous 
My friend and I used to go cycling in the woods every weekend and summer when we were younger, between the ages of 10 and 13. The woodland near where I lived in the suburbs of London is ancient and has a lot of history, especially with old ruinous manors from the medieval times dotted around. We have many happy memories from that period, but one peculiar and scary evening stands out. One evening we went deep into the woods and checked out this old abandoned farm with a giant pine tree in the center of a field. We had to hop a couple of fences to reach these trees. There was always something majestic about this isolated area. When we left the field, it must have been around 6 or 7 p.m. as it was a crystal blue sky still in England, and it normally doesn't get dark until about 9 or 10 in the summer. I remember we both had this incredible sense of dread and panic that came over us. We cycled as fast as we could towards the exit, a tunnel into the back road. This was only a five minute cycle from the field with the isolated pine trees. However, my friend disappeared and it felt like it was pitch black within a matter of minutes. I remember waiting at the tunnel entrance for my friend as I was too scared to go through it. I didn't want to go alone and it felt like I was waiting for hours. Eventually he turned up and he had an explanation for where he had gone. It felt as though two or three hours had been compressed into a five minute stretch. The daylight turned to dusk and with a flick of the switch it seemed like we had lost many hours. To this day I have no explanation for what that sensation was, what that time warp was, what was following us. Those woods have always had an eerie and mystical feeling about them. Sorry for this being so short. I hope you enjoyed my story though. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep wilderness horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or at r slash thedarkswamp on reddit. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us, hit the subscribe button, and turn on notifications as I upload new episodes almost every single day. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow on those platforms. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys for always supporting the swamp the way you do. I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.